downs, there will be ups. When you're down, know the up is going to come. When you're up, know the down is going to come. But you don't get out of the down unless you keep moving forward. So just always have faith. And I think that's the key. Have faith that the ups will come. But you got to do something about it. God gives us free will. Doesn't mean just sit back and let God take care of it. God gives us free will. Make sure you use it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Crypto Show. I'm your host, Otto Gomes. And today I have an amazing and powerful guest, someone with a voice that is reverberating across the masses through, I would say, a transitional news media outlet called Newsmax. His name is Grant Stinchfield. Grant is a longtime defender of freedom. He helped launch NRA TV, and now he is the host of the primetime show Stinchfield on Newsmax. You can also find Grant during Morning Drive Radio in LA on AM 870's The Morning Answer. He's also a four-time Emmy Award-winning investigative reporter. Grant describes himself as a small-time capitalist who specializes in the buying, building, and selling of business. Thank you, Grant, for joining us today. Welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Crypto Show. I'm your host, Otto Gomes. And today I have an amazing, amazing brother, Grant Stinchfield from Newsmax. Thank you, sir, for joining me. And I am super grateful for you being here today. Well, feelings mutual, my man. Great to be here. Yes. So I, you know, I love connecting with my interviewees and just really diving deep into their lives and their journey and how they got to this point. So I, I really want to know your, your story. Like how, what was your journey to this point? And specifically, what was that red pill moment that kind of like shook you out of that matrix reality? There are two red pill moments that I can think of one early on in my adult life, one later in my adult life. Um, I'll give you the brief rundown of, of my adult career of what I've done. I got out of college. I went to work for the family construction business in New York City. Was miserable doing that. Wasn't great. I'd argue with my father. I love him to death, but we'd argue. Um, you know, just wasn't my cup of tea. Here's the first moment. I'm sitting there on my couch watching TV, and I'm watching a news guy out live in front of some place. And I said, I could do that. So I put together a tape, and I sent it to about a hundred TV stations. Being from New York City, I thought small markets were like Cincinnati and Columbus. I had no idea small markets were actually like, like uh, Springfield, Illinois, Missoula, Montana. Like I had no idea. So anyway, I didn't get a job right away. I redo my tape. I get my first job in Missoula, Montana. I go out there, spend a year in Missoula, Fort Myers, Florida, Hartford, Connecticut, New York City, WNBC. Um, I was there on 9-11 working for, for WNBC. That was a catalyst in my life of shaping my whole philosophy on foreign policy and the war on terror. Then I get a job in Dallas. I said, I can't take the Northeast anymore. Politics are getting me down. I'm, I'm not going to go anywhere. Um, truthfully, being a white man in the TV news business was not really a great aspect to be. Um, I had a boss who told me, 
that I better sign my contract in Hartford that if I was black, I'd be the White House correspondent for NBC News, but I'm not. So sign on the dotted line. So you're up against these kinds of things. I said, I'm out of here. Another boss moves to Dallas. Says, you want to come with me? Yes. So I moved to Dallas, spent about seven, eight years for the NBC station there. Next watershed moment. Super Bowl is in Dallas. I don't know if you remember 2011 at Jerry Jones's big, beautiful stadium that he built. Well, it's a nightmare of a week. We get an ice storm and it's Super Bowl week. There's an ice storm. I'm running back and forth between the stadium and, and a place called the High Five, which was a newly built interchange, gigantic, that was icing up. And I'm literally like John Madden calling 18 wheelers slipping down the, the highway from a bridge. Wow. So yeah. I'm standing on this bridge and I'm telling people to drive slow in the process, which you don't have to be a rocket scientist to tell people to drive slow in an ice storm. Well, I put my microphone down and I said, a monkey could do this job and they're paying me pretty good money at the time. And this is 2011. We're still in that horrible economy. TV stations are not doing well. I survived by doing all kinds of different jobs. I was doing storm chasing. I was doing third man to be sports guy. I was doing investigative reporting. I just wanted to keep my job. But I said, at some point, the model doesn't work. They're paying me too much to stand on a bridge to tell people to drive slow. So I left TV and I opened up or I bought an oil change business, quick car of Irving had about 13 guys working for it. We did about a million to a million three a year in oil change work, built that business up, sold it. I, during that process, I started a trucking company. I just sold that trucking company three months ago, started with one truck, built it up to nine. Um, through that process, I ran for Congress. I lost my race in a Republican primary, made a lot of, raised a lot of money in that race raised some eyebrows from, from Republican leadership in this state, radio station calls me. Do you want to do afternoon drive for the local station in Dallas? Sure, that's great. Media politics converge. While that happens, NRA calls me. Do you want to help us launch NRA TV? Sure, that's great. So I'm doing radio, NRA TV. NRA goes through all its problems. Poof, NRA TV goes away. And I don't have anything now. And I built a studio. And uh, it was the old, if you build it, they will come. And a year it took me before I could use the studio that I built, but I landed my job at Newsmax. And now I do radio in the morning in LA. So you see, you just have faith. You believe it's going to happen. You make your own destiny. In some respects, you got to sit back and be patient. But in the others, you can't ever stop going out and trying to get it. So I just say, always be moving forward. If you can always be moving forward, everything is going to work out because it always does. And so that's where I am today. I love that. I like, and that's such a powerful message, right? Um, you know, they say, if you fall down seven times, get up eight, <laughs> you know, basically like keep pushing, keep pushing because, uh, you know, there's, there's all, either there's always something around the corner or I always say it's either this or something better. Like the universe is just waiting for you to be prepared for more. So I guess my question now is like how, you know, with 2020, because for me, I, I had been sort of aware of the distortions and the manipulations, at least within the financial industry, because I, I was an accountant uh, for a decade and just, you know, I saw through it very quickly because math is math. <laughs> um, but when 2020 hit, I felt this like, I got to talk about what's happening. I got to say something. Was it your getting pulled into Newsmax or was it 
after the fact, or was it in the beginning of that 2020 year that you got, you know, you became aware of all of this stuff that's happening and you started speaking more because I, I, the re here's the reason why I asked this because you have mainstream media and there's the story of the day and they talk and they talk about it and they talk about it. And now they're, they're just repeating the same story over and over. But you, your Newsmax channel, your, your specific show is, is doing, is, is talking about things that you don't see in that mainstream. Right. Media. So, so when was it for you? What was that moment for you? A long time ago, it, once you spend any little time in, in the news business, forget about the politics of it, especially local news. You think about crime, people getting scammed. It was the worst of the day. So for 20 years of my life in mainstream television, every day I was seeing somebody at the worst point in their life. They lose a daughter in a drunk driving crash, 9-11. I'm watching people just with the utmost fear and terror on their faces running you know, one direction and me going towards these falling buildings, um, child molesters, scam artists, financial scam artists, uh, just street crime. I became a skeptic early on and I became a skeptic early on because I started to realize that everybody's lying to me, whether it was the criminals that are lying to me, whether it was the politicians that are lying to me, whether it was people in my newsroom that were lying to me. It seemed to me that the people that were not lying to me came very few and far between. There weren't very many of them. And I think that was my wake up moment. It's either a curse or a blessing. I don't really know. But the fact that people are willing to lie to you and for everybody out there, I would offer up this. Know that the media and politicians are willing to lie to you. Once you realize that fact that they are literally willing, not just get the information wrong, but they're willing to lie to you to push an agenda. The whole world opens to you because now you look at what they're saying with a total different perspective. What's their motivations for saying this? Why are they writing this headline? What's behind it? You have to do those kinds of things. So for me, this happened a long time ago, long before President Trump started calling it the deep state. I was calling it a ruling class of career politicians. It's the same thing. Deep state, a ruling class of career politicians, the elites in Washington. He just had a different phrase for it. Fake news media I knew about all long before President Trump came along. He just made a great name for it. So I've been doing this for a long time. And I think maybe some of the success at Newsmax is that I was fully prepared to take on what we are seeing today, where it's been taken to another level. But I've been preparing for this all my life. I love that. Yes. Um, and that's such a great answer. Your type of person that has pure curiosity is difficult to find because, because I feel like most people have given away that power of curiosity, the power of like, I believe we're a better nation because of people like you, people that are willing to well, really step into that role of, of being the difficult one. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, were you, were you that child in class that raises hands every five minutes and asks the question, uh, you know, the, 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 the black sheep, right? <laughs> so I, I wasn't because I hated school. Oh. And so I am, and I don't mean to brag on this, I am the most efficient person on the face of the earth. No one is more efficient than me. And I do not multitask. What I do is I triage what I have to do in the day and I bang them out step by step and I get it done. I didn't like school. So I know if I raise my hand and start asking questions, that's going to just drag out the, going to drag out the thing longer. And I, I, I wasn't in that, but I am curious. I was at a cocktail party over the weekend. And the young lady who invited me to the cocktail party was at her house for her company, says, please don't talk about politics. 
These are all salon people. They're not Trumpers. They just, just don't talk about politics, please. So I go, she says, you are amazing. You are going around the co- cocktail party talking to everybody. Do you know why? Because I'm genuinely interested in people's stories. If you're genuinely interested in what other people have done and are doing, put politics aside, it totally disarms them. But what I found out for her was that this room full of everybody that hates Trump, I would say 40% of them love Trump, but we're afraid to say it. <laughs> and guess who talked to them about it? Me, even though I was forbidden to do so. And I did it in a way I don't raise any flags, throw out a little bone here, see what comes back. Because those are the places, folks, you have to be talking about it there. But you do it in a way where you do it gently. Don't get in fights at cocktail parties, but talk about it. Make sure people know it's okay to talk about it. People say don't talk about politics at the dinner table. That's the very place you should be talking about politics. You teach your kids about politics. You teach your family about politics. Have a discussion. Don't get in fights. And the uber haters, don't waste your breath on them. You'll be able and you'll know it when people are interested, just like that curiosity when they're interested. Those are the people you focus on. Yes, it's a di- it's like a different energy. When you're curious, it's not this desperate like you're wrong. You're I gotta prove you wrong. What did I do with you with crypto? As soon as I met you, I'm like, I don't know anything about this, but this is cool. You got it. I just tried to soak you for as much info as I could, and I'm still and, confused. And it's funny because like I love when when somebody approaches me with that kind of curiosity. There's something that like lights up inside of me. And I'm like, yes, I will share all I have to with you. Right. But, but the right. person that comes up and goes like, that's Satan's stuff. And that's the, and they're like, oh, well, I get it. I get your perspective. But like, I don't even want to like interact with you. Right. <laughs> Next person. Yeah. yeah. So well, I had a question, man. And I've, I've just been curious um, with your experience because you're, you're very consistent. You're there. You're, you're now, in my opinion, sort of the, you're not like independent journalists, like we are, you know, we don't call it journalists or whatever. Uh, but you're also not CNN, you know, you're, you're kind of right. like this transitional person now, this transitional. And, and we're also not, we're also not Fox news. Right. So Which is a whole Fox, other thing. That's, that's CNN light. <laughs> yeah. Fox I mean, news it, is CNN light. <laughs> I like to dub it the corporate media and uh, you know, that's what it is when a, when a big corporation buys you. Now I will say this, Tucker Carlson, who I go up against, he does a great job. He's, a, he's, a, he's great at what he does. Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, I, I know them all, and, and they're great. I just offer a little different way of giving you maybe sometimes the same message. Every now and then we might disagree on something that happens, but for the most part, it's a different way of delivering it than they do. But the rest of Fox News has gone exactly what you said, CNN light, the, the, day, the news during the day. Newsmax doesn't give you that. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's a whole other thing too. It's like, man, Newsmax, whoever created that too, I have a whole curiosity on that. On like, what was their intention of creating it? Where did the opportunity come from? You know, um, even for you, like, do they ever have pushback when you have something that kind of is like, whoa, that's a, you know, that's a, you know, very kind of fringe. You know, there's some there's some networks out there that they'll they'll stop a story because it's too conflicting with the mainstream narrative. So I will say this from my background in mainstream television. So what I pride myself on is not offering up theories until I can prove pretty well in my mind that the theory is correct. Where if you see Instagram lives, you've got lots of people out there 
throwing all kinds of stuff against the wall. And they'll only remind you about the stuff that stuck. And they don't remind you about the stuff that didn't stick. That's not going to happen with me. If I'm going to say it, I'm going to be pretty darn well. I've got it nailed down because I feel I owe that to the viewers who are tuning in to a network television that we are buttoned up tight. It's not just a fun throw it around deal. I've got a responsibility that way. So it keeps me away from some of the more fringe theories. But I'll tell you, January 6th is a great example. Newsmax has been openly willing to let me talk about what I believe is a giant hoax. It was not an insurrection. I do believe that there were feds involved now. I've got a lot of evidence. We talked about the evidence of federal involvement there. The left will say that's a fringe conspiracy theory. But I gathered evidence and video and testimony to back up my case. Newsmax lets me talk about that. I love that. <clears throat> I love that because, um, like I said, like you're not in what you just mentioned, like on this side, you have people just kind of throwing anything into the air and, and just discussing CNN side. It's like very, very, uh, scripted, right? Very, very scripted. And then you're in this middle ground where you're like, all right, well, there's a, there's, there's some scripting here, but there's also like all this fringe topic and you find that middle ground. And I love that. Um, would you say that there has been, what would you say has been the most difficult part of being that person now, that transitionary person um, when it comes with like censorship and having to deal with, with mainstream? You know, Newsmax has been great. Salem radio that I do radio has been great. I, I can't remember really ever being censored. The only times you, you censoring comes in play is if you've got legal issues at play where there may be lawsuits going on. But uh, look, that's, that's anybody. That's that's just reality of life. Right. Um, but I don't know. The hardest thing sometimes is there's not enough time in my show to get everything in. Picking the topics is really hard because right now I feel like this nation is under such assault that there is about 16 topics I could do every night that need to get covered. People need to learn about. They need to hear. And I don't have the time to cover all of them. That's really hard. Um my job is really fun, though, too. I don't want anyone to believe that, you know, everyone says, oh, thank you for your service. And I'm like, no, I never served. What are you talking about? They're like, no, you know, putting yourself out there. I have the most fun doing what I'm doing. I thrive off confrontation and the hate that I get really doesn't bother me. I, I can say that beyond the shadow of a doubt. I, I, it almost motivates me when The New York Times writes that I'm a racist because I said black on black crime is an epidemic in America that needs to be stopped. When they call me a racist for that, I still want to save black kids in the hood. I love that response. And that's such a powerful uh, stance because, you know, it's, it's, I feel like, I feel like the majority of this world got like super sensitive all of a sudden in the last two, three years, maybe. And yeah. everything is offensive and everything is, oh, careful, careful. Don't say that word. Don't say it like that. You got to change the tone. You know, I, I was an actor. I grew up an actor and I went to uh, acting school in, in Santa Monica for two years, did uh, Meisner acting, Meisner training. Um, I was going down that road of being in the mainstream Hollywood scene. And I remember feeling that before all of this stuff happened, I remember feeling like, man, like, you can't, you can't do this and you can't say it like this and you got to really modify yourself and you got to, you really have to be that puppet. Um, so it's, it's refreshing to know that there are, that there are people now that are taking back that power, that uh, fire. It's that fire in you. I see it. 
And I love it. I, I would say that what you're talking about, that you can't say this, can't say that. The mainstream media, the fake news media has taken advantage of the sheer fact that the majority of Americans are sheep. So they would rather watch TMZ than they would watch Newsmax or Fox News or CNN. They, they'd rather get their entertainment news than worry about what's going on with their country. And then when they do get their news from the likes of CNN, MSNBC, they blindly follow. I call them blind liberal zombies. So the media pushes these things about, oh, well, we got to be careful about this or transgender this or race this. They do that to divide us. And they know that the sheep will follow them and we will become more divided as a nation. That is all part of their grand scheme is to is to ultimately divide us. They want us to get to the point, even to the point of of putting in these district attorneys who do not prosecute crime. And you're thinking, why would they not like we this poor woman in L.A., 24 years old, gets stabbed in a in a high end furniture store. A guy was out on bond for a thousand bucks. He should have been he should have been in prison. He gets she gets stabbed. Why would no one wake up to this? What they want is they want for us to all believe that America has gotten so bad. We've got to break up the whole system and we've got to rebuild it back. And the way we rebuild it back in their eyes is in some kind of a socialist communist hybrid. And uh, I don't want to rebuild like that. And I'm never going to get to the point where I think America is so bad. But that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to ruin it. So we can't take it anymore, especially the masses, the blind liberal zombies. Please, please, big government, rebuild it back for us and help us. Give me a break. <laughs> please, daddy government. <laughs> I saw this right. meme. <laughs> There's that meme with the, <laughs> I don't even want to say it. It was just, it was, it was funny. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, but um, yeah, it's, it's insane what's happening right now. And I'm, I'm still kind of trying to navigate this whole thing um, when it comes to information, you know? So I, what, what would be your, your advice to people that are, you know, just in this reality, taking in all this information. I, I feel like there's this chaos of information. It's literal chaos. And you just mentioned, like, there's not enough time in the show to go through all the information. So, so what would you, what would you give as a piece of advice for people that are just like, well, who do I trust? Where do I listen? Where do I go? So it's pretty easy. You got to do your own homework. And I urge you to soak in information from both sides. So as much as you watch my show on Newsmax, I want you to watch Rachel Maddow on, on MSNBC. Tape them, but watch us live either way. But I want you to, to take in as much information as possible and then start to make your own decisions and, and then do your own research. You know, I, I say you should say Google it. Now, what do we say? Duck, duck, go it, whatever. But find the information and then narrow it down to people you feel you can trust you know what? I'm always on the side of that guy. He always seems like he's got it right. I can trust that guy. Default back to them, but always double check them as well. And so it gets back to once you realize that people will lie to you, that newspapers will lie to you, that TV people will lie to you, politicians will lie to you. Once you get past that and realize you're willing to expose their lies on your own or go to people you trust to expose their lies, then it opens up. But you have to do your own homework. And you know what? If you come down and you tell me, you know what, Grant, I've watched your show every night and I've watched Rachel Maddow and you know what? I'm a socialist. Guess what? It's America. Then go be a socialist and we'll duke it out at the at the ballot booth. Right. But have at it. That's what America's about. But God forbid a Democrat. They never talk like that. Never. Yeah. You either believe what I believe or you don't believe at all. <laughs> right. 
It's it, yeah, it's it's the, the 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 ideology around that is just a, it's impossible to me because I'm like, you know, when did it become wrong to disagree? Right. That that moment. When was that moment that we were like, this is not OK anymore. We, we can't just disagree anymore. We got to we have to go to the same route and agree the same thing. It's almost like it just happened naturally. So um, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite here because. Though America was built on dissent, it's so important for us to move forward as a country that we allow dissent to happen. What you see on social media right now, you know, we, we were on Instagram Live and starting to cut out who knows why. Right. We were two conservatives that maybe they're screwing with things. Dissent isn't allowed anymore in this country. But with that said, the left has gotten so devious and they play so unfairly that my tolerance for those who control the left is now zero. So when I tell you I'm tolerant of individuals beliefs, I am. You can believe whatever you want. But as far as the left in general, my philosophy is I am going to steamroll you. I am going to roll you over with a steamroller and I'm going to put every single conservative I can into office from Congress to state houses across the country. And we are going to give you tough love and we're going to institute free market conservative principles that were built on how the founders visioned, envisioned this country by hook or by crook. It's happening. And that's where I say, so you're either going to be with us or you're going to be against us because in the end it's happening and it has to, because it's the only way we save this country. Mm. I agree with that. I think the, you know, it's, it's on the individual to take back that power and, uh, you know, giving it away to this, these other people is just not, it doesn't work anymore. No, nope. we have to shift that, um, to shift a little bit on the conversation. What would you say why? Right. That, that's always a good, the, a great question to ask. Why? So what would you say is the, is the main reason for this whole thing, this whole manipulation of 2020 and 2021, having us focus so hard on this crisis, right? This crisis that's happening. What would you say personally, after all the interview, interviews you've given, the research you've done, why? So I think there was a progression I think it started out with fear and you had politicians that were making decisions to cover their own asses. They were fearful that deaths would be hung on their watch. So they started instituting all of these, all of these mandates. So they couldn't be responsible for deaths, right? So fear is what first started it. Fear is the worst. You, 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 everyone can get scared, but you can't run from fear. You got to face it head on. Politicians don't do that. They want to run from fear and cover their own butts. Then you had those on the left that said, we've got a lot of people fear. Well, over generations, what is the best way to control people? You control them through fear. So they work with the media to create more fear, more people scared of this virus that clearly was a hoax on the healthy. I believe the early on China virus, if you were in a high risk factor, if you were fat, you had diabetes, you had cancer, you're a risk. But if you were like you or me, we're not at risk. They had everybody so scared. So they used the fear to institute the lockdowns. Then it became a practice. How far can we push them? Let's, well, boy, we could push them pretty far. Let's keep going with this. Oh, you know what? This is going to fit into the model that I told you before, create so much chaos in a nation that People are going to start hating the nation they're living in, start living in fear from crime, fear of not having a job, fear of all of these things that 
will ultimately rescue this nation, save it, and build it back up in a socialist slash communist version. That's the progression. And I think it's all about fear and control. And the best way to control is through the use of fear. I've always said that, that it's, uh, you know, when, when decisions and intentions are driven by profit and power, it's always going to be bastardized. Uh, nature, like how things naturally evolve or how they're supposed to be in a natural uh, stance, it has to be bastardized because the, only, the fastest and easiest way to control is, like you mentioned, is through chaos and fear. And so if you keep people in that state, why not? Right. I mean, then you can keep keeping power and you can keep making money. See what they underestimated, though, Otto, is that this is America. And though, yes, the masses are sheep, but you've got an awful lot of us that aren't sheep. We're we're sheep dogs. Sheep dogs look out over the <laughs> I flock. Love that. Right. I love that. So so we're sheep dogs and the sheep dogs aren't going to take it. And so we rally our own set of masses. We rally our pack. And they underestimated that our pack is strong. You look at what's going on around the country in these school board meetings. You look at what's going on with, with you know, your, your significant other. She quits her job or well, gets kicked off her job, but she stands up for what she believes in. So many people are doing this. So many. It caught them by surprise. And so now what are you seeing? Signs of backtracking. Signs of it. Because 2022 elections are coming. And they realize that even the moderates and kind of, Wimpy liberals are now pushing back against this craziness that clearly didn't work. Everything they were told is turning out to be a lie. And because we're Americans, because we're an exceptional society, we see that. And I just want to compound on that. I love that you mentioned PAC because I feel like we are we entered a time where being the lone wolf, like trying to live this life and, and do this life by yourself doesn't work anymore. Doesn't work anymore. We have to be able to, and I'm not talking about groupthink. There's there's groupthink, right? Which is kind of what's happening there. And then there's community think, right? There's there's let's be as different as possible, then come together, you know, for for a common goal. That's really what it is. Strike so the I, numbers. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm so glad you said that. You mentioned that. Like, really allow yourself, the people that are listening, to 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 break down those barriers, those walls of, of uh, being a part of a community, being a part of something that's not just you. You know what else is important is, and I've kind of had this discussion with my son. My son is showing signs of leadership capabilities, and that's a good thing. I want my son to be a leader, but not everybody can be a leader. Not, you can't put that on everybody. Don't ask everybody to be a leader. Don't ask everyone to be out front. Some people are not capable of being out front. They, they don't want it. They're not going to be the best leader. We need soldiers. But could you imagine if we had an army that was all leaders and no soldiers? We would lose left. So there's nothing wrong with being a soldier, right? Embrace it. Yeah, there's actually something called um, a skills dynamic chart. Have you ever seen those? That one? No. So there's this really cool chart. I, I was trying to look for it real quick, but it's this, it's this chart and it, depending on what your skill set is, like uh, if you're, you know, if you're uh, intuitive or if you're a mechanic, like mechanical, like you're more like intellectual right. or you're more social. So depending on what your strength is, um, you would fine tune yourself into that portion of the business creation. So like if you were to create a business with, with, a, with, with someone or with a group of people, you guys, instead of having one person be the leader, 
you always allow the leader to be the one where the strength needs to be leaned into. Right. That's and good. so I, I just thought that was really cool because, um, you know, we all learned about in school about uh, there, there's the CEO and there's, you know, it's a hierarchy and the CEO is the one that decides. Whereas this new, this new concept is no, there's no hierarchy this way. It's a hierarchy this way where we're all going towards the same goal, but we're just trying to lean into the strength. But I would think you still have to have one leader. Yeah. Well, like, and that's, and that's actually one of the roles is the person that is like the star or like somebody's got to make the end decision. If they're stolen. Yeah. So there's a visionary, right? The person like I'm a visionary. I see the big, big picture. It's very difficult for me to do what you're good at doing, which is the practical, like the, 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 the execution of it. That's hard for me, but I can see it. And so like us working together where you know how to execute and I can, I know how to envision it. That's, that's, that's essentially what happens, right? You have like this hierarchy of, 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 uh, of just like skills. This is probably why all my businesses have between 10 and 20 people. There's only room for one leader and that's me. <laughs> yeah. You, you need a visionary. If you get two cooks in the kitchen with a vision. <laughs> yeah. It's just small enough. I don't need all the, all of this action going on. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, you know, this, this, we're, we're, we're kind of entering this whole new world, you know, and, and we're, we're, I believe that the, the, the few that are willing to be curious have, have that, that confidence, uh, grounded in their beliefs, uh, willingness to execute and, and take action. I, I honestly believe that we are now in this moment, uh, this transitionary moment of creating that new earth, creating that new reality. And, and your, your area of expertise is information. And you're there now at the forefront, at the front lines of creating that new way of communicating information. And that's just amazing. Well, information is power. Those who control it typically have the power. So the power got away from, from big corporations, big media. When social media burst on the scene, we saw all these citizen journalists. But they got scared by that at least the left did, look what social media did. It took back the power to disseminate information. We used to be able to disseminate anything we wanted on Instagram or Facebook. Now it's only what they deem to be the truth. And I promise you their truth is very different from our truth. So they took back the power because, because that power, um, that information and controlling it is, is power. And that's what scares them so much. And I'm so glad you said that because, um, and I want to take these last like 15, 20 minutes to kind of go and discuss um, um, a topic that I love that I'm very well versed in, which is crypto. So I, I kind of wanted to just kind of get your perspective on the industry and what you know about it and, you know, what it is, if you have any questions. So, well, I've got a, I've got a ton of questions. <laughs> Real quick, my, my, I'll tell you my Bitcoin story. Everybody has one. Yes. Friend of mine says, you got to buy this stuff, Bitcoin. It's unbelievable. I think when I bought it, it was about $12,000 uh, a Bitcoin. So I buy it, <clears throat> it proceeds to hang around there and it goes down to $3,000. Mm -hmm. So what the hell kind of investment is this? This is the worst. It comes back to about seven, $8,000. And I said, I'm out. So I sold and lost. I think I had three of them, maybe. So, uh, you know, what, $18,000, maybe $20,000 I lost on my, on Bitcoin. 
Well, then I see it go, you know, skyrocket. What is it? 50 something thousand now, 40 something thousand. Uh, I went down. So it's around 42 right now. 42, 42,000. So, you know, I'm thinking, oh my God, if I own those Bitcoins, but, but here's where I'm honest with myself. If I had bought that Bitcoin at $12,000 and it gets to $24,000, I'm out so fast that there's no way I'm holding. <laughs> and if it got to 30, I'm definitely out. So when it was at 65, there's no way I still would have been in it anyway. So. That's my big. I, I always, I always get that question. It's like, how did you, how did you just hold through those jumps? And I'm like, it was so fast. <laughs> I was like, if it went up that fast, it can go up even more. <laughs> you know, that was just like my, my rationale at the time. That, well, I was on vacation. I didn't know it went down. <laughs> in the beginning it's very hard to like step away from it because it's so emotional right you get sucked in emotionally uh and that was just my and for me i had this whole journey of having to become aware of that roller coaster and and like and seeing like how i would react based on the emotion so yeah so you it, you know you kind of have to ride it to kind of see why it fluctuates the way it does yeah um I, you know when i told my story i had a quick little story I skipped before I went to work for the construction company. I went to work for AIG uh, as a floor trader on the commodities exchange back on the old commodities exchange where they yell and scream at each other <clears throat> and didn't do very well at it. My personality wasn't suited for it. My personality was suited great for elbowing around in the pits, but it wasn't good for taking losses on after I've bought something and watching it disappear in a matter of seconds. Um, I'm very risk averse which is why I call myself a small-time capitalist. I'd rather buy an oil change business that's been in business for 10 years. It's got a history of making money. I know I can buy it. I do a couple little things. I can increase revenue a little bit. I hold it for five or six years. I can turn around and maybe make a million dollars on it, right? Buy the property with it. So that's not a risky play. You've got a company that has 10-year history of making money. There's no risk in that. Yeah. I feel like risk. Like you, I liquidated my 401k. I put everything I own into my, into my oil change business. That feels risky, but it's got a history there. No big deal. This stuff scares me, but I'm also a poker player. I'm a gambler. So I take a little bit that I can risk and I'm willing to kind of let it ride on, on some stuff. Yeah. You know, I tell people this, we're, we're the, the risk is there right now, mainly, mainly, mainly because we're in the beginning phases of it. But the actual practical, like uh, the, the, the way that it's built, the protocol itself, the structures, um, obviously it depends on the project itself, but the way that blockchain functions, it's actually like the, 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 the most zero risk investment you'll ever make because of the, those variables, those intrinsic um, value that comes. So to me, tell me if, tell me if I'm off base here. When I look at crypto, if I was to venture in to try to make money off of crypto, I would want to get in on making money off the business of crypto, whether it's the back end, whether it's some kind of product to help people transact it, whether it somehow the industry of crypto is where I'd rather go in to make money than actually buying the crypto itself. It seems to me that if the crypto itself is going to go up, well, the industry is going to go up, but it's safer to be part of the industry than it is to be actually part of the commodity. 
So, so that's, that's such an interesting perspective because that's very, that's a very business way of looking at it. I a hundred percent agree. And I would even argue that the majority of the people that are in it now that are creating, that's what they're doing. They're, they're essentially just focusing on the engines, right? Like the back end engines that are going to support everything. And then, and then if eventually other people will come in and build on top of those engines, right? So yeah, right now we're in the engine phase, this NFT craze that happened we know with artwork, that was, I, th I believe, the first moment where mainstream came in and started building on top of those engines. And so that's a tiny little bubble, right? The, the, those, the, that artwork stuff that's happening with the NFTs, that's a tiny little bubble. The even the trading aspect as well of crypto is also a, um, it's like a old uh, way of doing business. Like it's an old way of looking at crypto. Here's why I say this. These tokens, these projects, they create these tokens. That token is the project. That's the difference. When you buy stock or commodity, you're buying um, something that is, you know, you're like for stocks, for example, stocks is a, is a security. So it represents that company. So the company, depending on what it does, what it decides, what, you know, what the profits are, all that stuff is going to bring value to the stock, right? Commodities, Usually it's dependent on the companies that are out there mining and doing all that work. And then that kind of fluctuates the market. And then there's a whole another level of manipulation there too. But um, uh, the majority of it comes from the companies that are doing the work on that thing. With crypto, the, the, the tokens are, are, are the actual project itself. And so nobody owns that project. Okay. No individual entity or group of people actually own the project. Everyone that owns the token owns the project and it's self-governing, right? So it's this protocol. It's this thing that just executes. It just does the math. It just does the protocol. So nobody can come in and change it and, and make changes to it or increase it or lower it or do any kind of manipulation. So with all that said, why did I say that? It's because the concept of, of trading, that's old. We traded before because we had to, you know, um, we had to kind of like come up with why the, 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 the specific stock is going to go up or down based on their decisions with this, with the protocols, you don't have to guess it's, it's a, it's a fact because the math is there. So that's the big, big difference there. There's, there's math that can't be changed. And the other one is, is people that manipulate. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating all of it. I mean, and, and then it, I think this is why people start to get confused over it as well. Yes. <laughs> and, and I have a hard time myself in coming up with the analogies to break it down enough to go, Oh, okay. That makes sense. And because in my mind, I'm like, Oh, it makes sense. Don't you get it? And it's like, no. <laughs> so with the NFTs, a lot of people come to me and they say, Oh, well, I'm just going to make an art painting and I'm going to sell an NFT. It, it can't work like that. Can it? I mean, it's, it can be this, that simple. Yeah. Yeah. But who's going to buy, you know, Joe Schmo's stick figure drawing. If it's not really worth anything Does somebody buy that as an NFT, what's the, what's the point of buying that? Right. So, so the process of which, with which Joe Schmo is going to sell that NFT and how, uh, so, so how they gamify the sales process and what they're offering for that NFT, like to have that NFT, that's going to determine a lot of the value. So like if you're just a regular guy who has no audience and who has nothing to offer and you make an NFT, it's worthless. It's just a digital. It's worthless, you know, right? Yeah. Seat. Yeah. Now, if you're, 
you know, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, and you're making a, you know, you're making 10,000 NFTs. And if you own that NFT, after you buy it, you get to meet him in real life, shit ton of value overnight. So then what's going to happen, he's going to put that NFT out and everybody's going to start trading it in the secondary market to try to own it. So they think they can go and meet him. And whoever owns it gets to go meet him. But if he made a stick figure drawing of Joe Biden falling down the steps of Air Force One, he sells that as an NFT. Do you ever get that physical paper? So, so if, 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 if there is proof, right. So let's say he goes to a, a registered Twitter account. That's his, right. Or he doesn't have that anymore or Instagram, whatever. And he says, Hey, I just made the stick figure thing and I'm going to make it into an NFT. And then he puts a link to his wallet that is represented on the blockchain. That's okay. And then now we all see, well, the registered account on Instagram owns that wallet. Now, now we know. So now all of a sudden that specific wallet that creates that NFT is the, is Trump. That is Trump. So now he creates this NFT and then he puts it out. The value of that, right? It's just like getting a signature from a president, you know, from like an old president. What's the value of a collectible of a signature from a president from 30, 40 years ago, whatever the person's willing to pay for it, you know, whoever is collecting it. So the value is going to come from a lot of different little variables, you know, a lot of different little things somebody's got to know it's out there, obviously. Yeah, that's a matter of him advertising it and putting it out there and, and making sure yeah. that his audience knows that he's he did that. But but that's the idea, right? So then now uh, he puts it out and then what does the person actually own? Well, they own this digital representation of that physical thing. If he wants, he can do a, he can connect the two and say, well, now that whoever owns this NFT now owns the original too. Right. And then he can send the original to the person and now they're connected. And so what happens is that the concept is that those things will follow along uh, forward. And then whoever owns the NFT, it'll be in the history of that piece of art. So imagine having like a Monet from 100 years ago and you know every single person that's ever owned that Monet all the way to the original artist. So that's, that's, that's the artist's way of it. Where it's moving into is that NFTs are becoming like memberships. So, uh, you know, you make 10,000 and now it's these membership access and like a VIP token or whatever. And like, if you have an event, you can come see, if you have this NFT token and you come to my event, you get to see me in the back or you get access to the front row seats or whatever. So that's another way of doing it. Um, I mean, there's so many things. We can talk about uh, even uh, DLCs for skins for blockchain gaming or for just games. Um, NFTs can be used as those skins. So imagine being able to buy in a market the the skin, play it in a game, and then transfer it to another game. And then the skin transfers and it looks a little different because it's a different universe and you get to use it in that game. So so that's where we're we're moving towards with with um Got it. Uh, NFTs. It's all it's all complicated. And if you guys want to know more, make sure you check out my my website, autogomes.live. And uh, everything is on there for you guys to check out. A little plug there. Sorry. (laughs) No, you got to do it. That's what it's all about. (laughs) So, okay. So let's, let's round this up a little bit here. One last question. What, what would you say with everything you've experienced, you've researched the people you've interviewed, what you're taking in on a daily basis from this reality, how do you see humanity moving forward in a love-based way, you know, and connected with each other? Or do you see that at all? I certainly hope so. Um, 
Just remember that evil exists in the world. It always has since the beginning of time. So evil will always be with us. Um, you've got to stand up to evil. That's never going away. We're, we're never going to be able to have a community that lives in Disneyland. I would love for that to be the case, but it's not. Um, I think we move forward successfully through this process because we are America and, and our ideals in this country are better than any other country. Now, is it perfect? No. Can it be exploited and manipulated? We're watching that happen right before our eyes. But I have great hope and great faith that in the end, we use this as a learning experience and come out of this as a better nation. And I'm seeing signs of that with, you know, you just look at Joe Biden's polling numbers, his approval ratings, his, his job approval ratings on certain aspects, whether it's the economy or the border, all of them falling, uh, which means I think people are waking up in some respects to what the big play is here. And, and that was big government to control you. And we as Americans don't like that. Never set, sat well with us. Thank you, Grant. That was a, a, a beautiful response. Um, is there one last piece of advice or thing you want to leave with everyone moving forward? No, I, th I think, uh, you know, it's back to what I said earlier, just always be moving forward. Maybe I said that on the Instagram live, but you know, when things get you down, there's peaks and valleys in life. You always are going to have them. I don't care how successful you are. There will be downs. There will be ups. When you're down, know the up is going to come. When you're up, know the down is going to come. But you don't get out of the down unless you keep moving forward. So just always have faith. And I think that's the key. Have faith that the ups will come. But you got to do something about it. God gives us free will. Doesn't mean just sit back and let God take care of it. God gives us free will. Make sure you use it. Make sure you use it or you lose it. <laughs> Thank you, Grant. That was amazing. I loved connecting with you, brother. Um, Man, it's awesome. We definitely need to do this again. I loved it. You're doing a great job, Otto. Just keep it up, man. And uh, thanks to everybody watching. I'm so appreciative. Newsmax, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. Catch him there. It is an amazing show. You will have an amazing time watching, I can assure you. All right, love you guys. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> what an amazing episode with our good friend Grant Stinchfield from Newsmax. We talked about everything from his journey until this point, how he became more aware of the manipulation and distortion of mainstream media, uh, all the way to crypto talk. And we discussed some layers of the NFT space and how we're shifting away from uh, mainstream NFT art to now being more connected to blockchain gaming and real estate markets and all of these other layers of the NFT space that is going to really change the way we do business and the way we do transactions in this reality. I'm super grateful for Grant. And if you guys want to know more about crypto or want to know more about Grant Stinchfield and his Newsmax show, Stinchfield, Please take a look at the show notes as there's all these links that you can take a look and follow along uh, so you can see what else he puts out. And if you want to know more about crypto, make sure you check out my website, autogomes.live. I have a free training there that is 90 minutes long that goes really deep into all the layers of crypto, as well as a seven and a half hour paid course that is worth $777. And I am giving a discount of 10% off if you use um, autogomes.live forward slash easy. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and tune in next time 
for more on how we gamify your abundance. Love you guys.